Taking breaks from what today is no total loss. Welcome, welcome to this latest July edition of the Game Fish and Parks Podcast and Blast. I am your host, Chris Hull. Uh, with me today is a common contributor to the podcast, my coworker and cohort, Nick Harrington. Nick is here in person with me. We're back in the office uh, occasionally, but uh, Nick, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you called me contributor and not frequent <laughs> offender, so that's good. Well, yeah, <laughs> Uh, middle of July usually means dog days of summer, Nick, but uh, I know you've been out on Oahe and, and uh, things and talking to some people up in the, in the, um, you know, the northeast and, and even in the southeast and, and in the west. If, if they're dodging tornadoes in, in the Black Hills, the trout seem to be biting, but even around here and here and all the way down to Peace Creek and Platte and Winter and South, I mean, the fish are biting. It's not dog days, so yeah. what uh, What are you seeing up, up on the lake and, and around the pier area? Absolutely. We've actually still been catching. My depths I'm targeting are between 10 and 15 feet most yeah. days, so when you've got, you've got some wind going onto a shoreline, right. it is usually pretty fast, and you can find them piled in there. Uh, I think the big thing to think about is just the number of fish out there. We're catching so many 12, 13, 14-inch fish. It's just it's a great time, and then you get that stray 16, 17, 18, and, right. and you're over 20s too. I mean, it is there are a lot of fish out there to catch, and it's been a lot, a lot of fun. So I've been in Pier and fished Oahe for 20-some years, and usually, you know, 1st of July, those fish are way you know, 40 feet or more eating smelt and stuff. When you're cleaning fish, what are what's in the bellies of these these walleyes? Same thing. There's a lot of smelt that they're huh. feeding. So they're e- finding them shallow. Even even those small ones. And kind of what we're seeing is I'll see them on the graph in 20, 30 feet. I'll find the bait. But then if they're up on that shoreline, they'll be pushed up there. And we've been catching a lot of small perch in there with those walleyes too. Sure. And usually it never fails. We catch three or four small perch, and then we catch a real nice walleye. So right cool. as you let your guard down, you'll hit a nice one. Cool. And I know I, I spent Fourth of July up on our cabin in Clear Lake, and um, you know went out and kicked around a little bit and caught some really nice bluegills and a few really nice crappies. But talking to folks that are that are hitting Wabe and Bitter and and uh, uh, oh I don't know I talked to a guy that fished Enemy and caught a few nice walleyes and I caught talked to some people who were on Big Stone and caught some nice perch and caught some nice walleyes. So. Kind of seems like uh, the dog days of summer are kind of getting pushed back maybe this year and giving us a reward. And, and uh, so hopefully we'll have some few more good weeks of really good summer fishing. Absolutely. It is no complaints when you're catching limits of walleyes and it's July 15th. Right. And you're not in 80 feet of water. Right. Um, you know, the other thing, I guess, the, the gorilla in the room is, is uh, this last week we found uh, zebra mussels on, on Pickerel Lake up in the northeast, which is a bummer and, um, you know, something that we really all got to be thinking about uh, if you're going to be around up in that area, uh, especially Pickerel, we're going to have boat cleaning stations or, or uh, decon stations, and, and I know we've got some decon stations going on in the in the Missouri River Corridor, but just be sure, you know, clean, drain, and dry, and, and I know um, Nick's uh, girlfriend, Hannah, has been working on those decon stations, and, and, and um, I've talked to some other people working on the decon stations. You know, some of the errors is not getting that motor all the way down. Nick, um, explain about getting it all the way down and drying it out. Yep, so that's one thing that she's razzed me on pretty good is they take a little flashlight and they shine in there and she describes it as the cup. You can kind of see that there's some water in there. So when you come off the water, if you're like me, you, you trailer it, you trim up, you pull it out of the water. 
that water is still going to catch in that outboard. So once you're up there, I just make it part of my routine before I put the transom saver on. Trim it all the way down. You'll see the water dry out. Give her a couple seconds. I mean, you don't need much time at all. And with how those motors are, they, they drain out really well, too. Yeah. So, and but that's that's a big one. That's one of their biggest things they're hitting right. is people got to get out at those decon stations and come trim their motors down. Right. And also those those live wells, if those live wells aren't completely drained or you have your boat tarp on too, you got to hop out and make sure those are accessible too. Yeah, and it, it's amazing how much water is in that lower unit when it goes all the way down. And we saw guys, uh, we were down at uh, Downs Marina and they, they were backing their boat down and as he was putting his lower unit down, water was just pouring out of it. And I said, when's the last time you guys fished? And they were like, well, we were here two days ago. It's just like, whoa, there's, you know, that water's in there. And those, those mm -hmm. villagers from the zebra mussels, there's going to be a ton of them in there possibly. And they can spread. But so Pickerel Lake, we found a bunch of uh, zebra mussels. And, and uh, if you know South Dakota at all, Pickerel dumps into Wabe, which dumps into bitter and rush and or rush and bitter i can't remember which one and then back around so um just be aware if you're you're fishing up in that area make sure you're clean draining and drying uh if you are fishing in that area i'm sure you're gonna bump into our uh decon folks and our, our folks stopping people on the road so give them a stop and and uh, maybe you learn something but uh let's try to protect those resources as good as possible so absolutely the other thing automatic plugs Somebody's telling me that automatic plugs can hold a bunch of help hold a bunch of water back in your boat. So I don't know. That's a little too high tech. For yeah, me, me too. I was like, there's, <laughs> there's automatic plugs. Why? You know. So, but uh, the reason I've got Nick here today, other than to give me some fishing uh, tips and and uh, forecasts, is to talk about the new habitat stamp that went into effect on July 1st this month. Uh, habitat stamp was uh, brought about from over in the legislature um, uh, to raise some money for both aquatic and terrestrial, um, which means land, I guess, um, monies to, to work on habitat. And Nick has worked closely with our department to get some answer a lot of questions and, and work with our staff and kind of figure out, um, you know, just some of the rules and everything that's going on. So I got Nick in here um to help answer some of these questions and these are a ton of questions that he and i have both gotten uh we've gotten through emails phone calls texts uh facebook everything like that so uh nick so we now this habitat stamp is up and running as of july 1st uh who's required to buy that stamp so the bulk bulk majority of everybody that enjoys our resources out here are going to be required to purchase a habitat stamp. If you are 18 years of age or older and are looking to purchase or even apply for a hunting, fishing, or trapping license, you are now after July 1, you are going to be required to purchase that habitat stamp. The habitat stamp is $10 for residents and $25 for non-residents. And I know where your next question is going to be, Holt. If you're like me, you purchased your combo license in January, February, or even if, especially signing up for auto renew this year, you, you've already signed up or purchased your license. You do not need to go back in. If, right. if I'm just going to fish all year and I bought my fishing license, you do not need to go in and purchase that habitat stamp for your license to be valid. You are still good to go. That being said, if you're going to enter our what second draw deer is mm -hmm. about due, any of these antelope draws, if you haven't purchased any of the licenses you have, your next license purchase, you are going to require, be required to purchase that habitat stamp. And is that, you know, so I, I did buy, I bought my, you know, my combo license on 
January 28th or whatever it was. Got my deer license in on the first draw, but now I'm going to put in for an antelope license. Is that something along in the process that I'm going to have to go and find and check out, or is that when I go to buy my antelope license, the system's going to go, hey, dumb beep, you don't have that, and it's just going to tack it on? Yep. I didn't know we could censor ourselves here. I'll turn my, yeah. I'll turn yeah. my bleeper on the whole I'm the, edit, I'm, the edit, I'm the editor, so I just don't want to edit that myself out. <laughs> go ahead, and I'll edit you out. I'll save myself a minute or two on on the work. Nope. So that's the system. Pretty much has it as a required license. So it's it's pretty bleep proof for for anybody going through. I, I know I know a lot of us purchase our licenses ourselves, and it's not going to let you complete your transaction without having that habitat stamp either purchased or as part of your transaction and in your cart with you. That being said, the biggest people we've got to be concerned about is if you're still right, sending in those paper those paper applications. You do need to make sure that you enclose that ten or twenty-five dollars for that habitat stamp for your application. This this wouldn't be due, such as when if you're successful or not. Right. So if you are doing paper application, make sure you are budgeting for that habitat stamp too, and sending all that information in with it. But if you're using that online system or you're stopping at Walmart Runnings, any of our license agents, you're pretty much going to be taken care of and not able to hit the field without that habitat stamp now. Sure, and um, that's 18 years or older, so like I got, I'm going to put in for uh, my daughter for an antelope tag. She doesn't have to. Yep. She, she's good to go, and those landowner-owned land tags, too. Right. Those are all taken care of. Um, our Hunt for Habitat that, uh, ha, uh, hunt for habitat raffle we've had, that's not required either. And also those landowners, going back to them, they aren't required to purchase that license for trapping, fishing, hunting on their own land anyways. Cool. Well, not hunting, but... And, and we're calling it a habitat stamp, but it's not an actual stamp, right? It is, it is not an actual stamp. This is... It's simply another license. There's not going to be, I, I'm again, Nebraska boy. We're not going to have that bluegill 2020 like right. like on the back of our like on the back of our tags there. And so there's nothing to carry. Nothing, nothing to carry. You don't need a special printer. Nothing of the sorts. Okay. Cool. Uh, what about like one day licenses? My dad's coming um, in a couple weeks. Going to want to take him fishing. He's just going to want to go for one day. Nope, those will not be required. Any of those hunting or fishing, youth hunting licenses, even your private shooting preserve license, those, all those one-day licenses are not going to be required to purchase a habitat stamp. Cool. So you do not have to, you know, say you're a non-resident, want to come for one day, you're not going to pay $12 for your license and then twice that for your habitat stamp. Sure. So, in uh, good shape. Then what about, like, um, for... Oh, not for me this year because I put in for last year on preference points. So what if I, somebody wants to come in and say, you know, I'd, I'd, one, I know I'm probably not going to draw, so I'm just going to get a preference point for elk or whatever, and two, I don't have time anyway, I'm just going to get preference points. Nope, you are not required for your preference points. It is simply the application. So if you're just going in and doing like me at the end of the year and clicking, oh, I want my paddlefish tag, I want my elk, I want my antelope preference points, you're just doing that. You do not need to purchase a habitat stamp for that. Okay. Um, and, and I have got a few calls, and it's, it, it's been kind of surprising, and it's probably surprised you too. People just saying, hey, look, I, you know, I'm not going to hunt or fish this year. Or people said, you know, I already bought my combo license. I'm not a big game hunter. I already bought my combo license at the beginning of the year. Can I purchase one of these 
just to support habitat. Absolutely. It, it's a license, so you can only purchase one. I know we'd had that right. question come up if you want to purchase a couple more. We have a couple other donation options as well, but anyone is eligible to go in and purchase that purchase that habitat stamp. You do not need to make any other transactions with it. And if you go in and you look at your profile, so like right now, my profile, I'm kind of hypocritical. I haven't even bought mine yet. Yeah. <laughs> but my but my profile still says purchase your habitat stamp up there in big letters. Oh, right. Um, so Yeah, I guess mine does too. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. And just putting you on the spot here for my my landowner or not my landowner my artist friends we we got any talk about a competition or a stamp competition or anything like that I know you know there was some brief stuff and I'm not going to hold you to it if we but I mean there has been a little bit of talk about that right there has been with uh, the Second Century Habitat Fund which is where you can get your habitat decal so I'm going to kind of take out two birds here with right. one stone. So your habitat decal is a voluntary donation. You're going to see that on our donation page as you check out a licensing process. That's where we have Sportsmen Against Hunger, Second Century Habitat Fund, and I'm tips. Think, tips. There you go. That was the other one. So if you did ten dollars for the habitat Second Century Habitat Fund, you will get a habitat decal, and I believe we've got a picture of that decal right there on the licensing system. Or if you did a thirty dollars split donation. And that is $10 the minimum, but if that's when you wanted to give $100 to support Habitat, you're more than welcome to. Right. We would greatly appreciate it. And then part of that is there have been some talks about an art contest, and that would be for the decal for future years. Cool. So still some talks in the works, but definitely if you're one of those good artists that I am not, not oh, even qualified man. for, definitely keep your ears open for some of the opportunities that could be coming down the pike there. Cool, and I, I know you and I have gnashed our teeth and, and thought about it. It does get a little confusing between the stamp and the decal. Uh, stamp is mandatory when you buy your license from here on out. It's going to get tagged on. The decal is uh, for the Second Century Foundation, or Second Century Habitat Fund, and that is a uh, voluntary thing. So a little bit confusing, but uh, basically from here on out, It'll get tagged on your license yep. or application if, if uh, from this year an application. Yep, and license is the key word there. I've been telling some people think of it as your habitat license. It's a, it's no right. different than your hunting or fishing or trapping license. Cool. Um, well, let's talk about a little bit of uh, you know kind of where that money goes. Um, you know, I know um, that over in the legislature they they were the ones that that uh, kind of spearheaded this and this came from over there but uh, getting a lot of questions about you know where this money is going and and is it going to pheasants is it going to fish is it going to lease turns and how do how do we decide where that money is going and so let's just talk a little bit about that where's the money going yeah so and you hit it pretty well on the head is it for fish is it for birds and that really depends on what license you're going to purchase if you're buying your combo license so that's going to be a 50-50 split because that gives you both privileges, hunting and fishing. So in that, your stamp would be divvied up between both. If you just purchase a hunting license, it's going to go to the terrestrial, so the land, the the hunting the hunting type, ugh, completely botched that one, right. but the hunting access, that type of information. So the difference is it's very similar to, we talk about license dollars a lot. 
And those are what we use to basically pay for what we love to do. That gets us our access, that gets us our public lands, that gives us our fish stockings. Think of, it's very similar to licensed dollars, and that's why I say the habitat license, so to say. But that land is directly for habitat improvements. So if we're talking fisheries, we're talking dam repairs, we're talking those shoreline restorations, things that are directly going to help our water bodies habitat overall. We'd be talking for the terrestrial side, we're talking GPAs, access to public lands, so that might be like our walk-in area program. But the moral of the story is all the money going towards this is going to public land and getting people either access to more land to hunt or improving the land that they love to hunt and fish on. That is the big story of where this money is going. Sure. It, Nick, it's easy for, you know, I think, okay, uh, habitat. And I, I think 99% of us, and you're a fisheries biologist, and I think your brain would even go to habitat. Okay, I'm looking at a stand of switchgrass, and, and there's a food plot, and there's water, you know, that for, for birds and, and other critters. But, like, the aquatic habitat, let's dig into that a little bit more. I mean, you know, uh, especially coming out off of of a spring and summer that we had last year where we had rain and all across South Dakota are these little dams and impoundments that are pretty popular and I could name a bunch that you and I like but I don't want to give out any secrets <laughs> um, but they're pretty popular pretty important to small communities and, and fisheries um, I mean there's just a slug of them. I was looking at the list the other day there's 50 some that are in dire dire need yep um, I would guess that some of this money would go and prioritize some of those dams and start trying to plug those off the list. Absolutely. And and that's the big thing to think about when we're talking these small dams is when these are created, it is not infinite. These things live a life just like the animals that we see out on the landscape. They're going to age, and as that aging comes, they're going to have cracks, they're going to have repairs. I mean, think of it as almost dam arthritis or something. Right. It's, it's going to... It's going to come up, and then when you have those big water events, and you've got a old or weakened dam, they're going to blow out, they're going to have big issues, and you're right. going to see that list is going to build exponentially up and down, depending on what the water levels are. Right. And so by taking this money, we can do a lot to help those dams, keep those fisheries strong, make sure those, because like you say, a lot of these are the fishing hole of the community for a lot, right. a lot, of, a lot of people. And they provide great bluegill, bass, walleye fishing. There's a lot of great options out there. And so just really making sure that all of our dams are, are well kept. It's, think of it as a vehicle. You need to give those preventative maintenance. If you never change your oil, I'm not going to buy your vehicle back. <laughs> Please let me know before I attempt to purchase it. Right. But it's just it's to take care of that stuff. And But it's it's more than that. I mean, it's we're looking at docks and, and you know, roads and vault toilets so some of that access stuff but then even maybe some small scale like dredging or aeration or and i think you brought up like shoreline restoration or stream restoration some of that stuff um you know habitat placements in lakes to make them more fertile i mean make them so fish can mm -hmm. reproduce better um it's just something that some of that stuff goes on underwater and we just assume just because there's a lake that fish can live and thrive in there, and, and we've really found that that's not the case. Yep, absolutely. I think you hit. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I'm sure if we started listing lakes off, you could tell us when you look at that water, what does it look like? Right. I, I'm sure we can all name a couple lakes off the top of our head that we go, 
Oh my! Come July, I'm not swimming in there. Right? <laughs> exactly, and you think the fish want to live in there too? That's right. not our. That's not our top walleye destinations either. And just it. It really depends. Maybe you have a. Maybe you have a water body that has just been overtaken by rough fish, and you need to get in there and make some. Make some of those renovations. Clean out the lake. Basically, start from scratch. Get right. those game fish in. That's all. That's all covered in this. Right. I mean, there is. When you talk fisheries and, and dam management, there is a lot, a lot of factors that we do not see when we when we grab the rods out and put the boat in, right? Or, I, or drill the holes, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and I know, I know, uh, you know, our fisheries crews have been sitting at these meetings talking about prioritizing these projects and and you know when are we starting them and, and how much money do you think we're going to have and and. You know where are we going to have these projects that where we can, people can start following them up on, and I know that that uh, that list has been made and remade and polished and repolished, and and I would assume that we're going to start talking about those kind of projects and when those are going to start pretty soon, and because people are going to want to know where this money is being spent and is it working. So exactly, and I mean going back to the vehicle reference, an oil change is fairly inexpensive, and we can all do that. And a lot of these water bodies just need an oil change or two. But when you start talking brakes and transmissions, uh, it it varies in the price and the amount of work you got to do. And the lakes and dams are really no different. There's some that basically need a brand new transmission and a brand new motor right. out there. And if you've ever done that, you know the price tag of it. Right. And it might be because you didn't change the oil, but that's just my opinion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had, had some people, um, you know, talk about, well, everything you guys are doing is for the pheasants, and everything that you guys are doing is for the, the deer or the walleyes. Or, or um, had it, I think one of the first questions I got is, you know, you're getting this habitat stamp money and... and just about anybody's el eligible to purchase one. Some folks have to if you want to hunt and fish. But, you know, is this money going to be go to just walleyes and just deer and mule deer and pheasants? Or are we going to have some threatened and endangered species? You know, what, where's this, where does that fit in? Some of those non-game critters, I guess, if you will. A absolutely. And I, I, the phrase that comes to mind when I think of this conversation is, what's good for the bird is good for the herd. If, if we go in and we make habitat improvements on, let's say, a GPA, we're going to benefit the pheasants, we're going to benefit the deer, but we also might benefit species of, you know, our greatest conservation concern that we've been talking about more and more, too. And that's going to go in, and just because you help pheasants does not mean that you haven't helped monarch butterflies right. or Dakota skippers. And if you help Dakota skippers and monarch butterflies, chances are you're probably helping pheasants and deer and ev everything else on a greater scale. You look at those food webs and you look at those relationships in a community on any particular parcel and there's every every link is important in the chain is is basically the best thing I can say to answer that question yeah and I think you know you, you start thinking about some like stream and habitat you know stream and river kind of restorations and and I think about like that stretch below Pactola and I know Jake Davis out in rapid and his crew have done a done a lot of partnership stuff with with like kind of putting in some of those habitats that were focused on fish, you know, and providing some more slack water or deep water pools or backwater pools and stuff. And and Jake was the first one to go, wow, the, there's all these little fish that started showing up that we didn't even really know were there still. And mm -hmm. you know, and um, so yeah, what's what's good for the bird is good for the herd. And and I think um, you know, you'll even probably see some projects that that. Uh, 
will really key in on things that are are non-game species and, and trying to do some of those things because the you know it's it's good for everything so and i think the other thing to talk about here is south dakota the landscape as a whole does not act independently because we help one right. dam does not mean that there's not going to be other improvements that can be made as well if if we help a if we help a gpa the water body that that GPA drains into is, cert is certainly going to experience some improvements too. So any change on the landscape that's positive is definitely going to be positive for the for the area around it. And that's something else you have to keep in mind. These are not two independent things. Just because your your hunting license went to terrestrial habitat, the anglers might very well benefit from some of those projects as well. Um, before we kind of switch gears, I had had somebody. Actually, this weekend I was um, kind of traveling back and forth from doing some work stuff, and the guy was complaining about the habitat stamp to me because he knew I worked for game fishing. He was, yeah, just another way to build your coffer so you guys can go buy a bunch more land. Um, what's the what's the response to that? I, I think the best response is kind of circling back to what I said earlier. This is to get people better lands and access to more lands and. A, the best way to get get those land access is through our walking area programs and similar like that. And the whole me, you, every hunter out there, we can directly help that walking area program. If we're showing those landowners respect and we're not polluting, we're not leaving carcasses and trash, that's going to help us get more land. And, and again, buying land sounds like the great answer, but you know what? The fact of the matter is if... You need to focus on what you have and make sure that you have some right. some top notch stuff. Right, and I, I think you know talking to, to to some of our habitat guys and and even even Kelly because I didn't know what to what to tell him tell this person that answer to and, and Kelly just went well you got to go read the bill so I was like okay I'll read the bill. <laughs> so I went I was kind of looking at it and uh, then he came around the corner and said we can't use that money to buy land mm -hmm. just to improve access and improve the stuff we got and I went oh. Okay, I guess I should have read the fine print. So, <laughs> Nick and I don't always have all the answers, but we know the people that can get you the answers. So, or if we read, we might know the yeah. answers. Or, or if we studied, right? <laughs> it's uh, kind of like studying for the exam. No right. wonder I haven't found my book yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's talk about you know this habitat stamp is is, is something that isn't new. Um, once upon a time, there was one in South Dakota, and it just kind of got rolled into where they did away with it, and there was a stamp competition and all that stuff. But it, So it's not new to South Dakota. I mean, there are other states that already implement this, right? And you brought up Nebraska earlier, but, um, I mean, there's some of our neighboring states already have this going, right? Absolutely. I, I believe, oh, I'd have to check my notes and read and study more, but I believe that there's approximately 12 or 13 states across across the country that have some sort of habitat stamp. You'll look at our neighbors, Nebraska's again, 25. I want to say that was from 1996 was when that started, 1997, right about the time I was born, just right. to date everybody. Pumped. But, <laughs> but um, Wyoming, you're looking at 1250 Montana, $8, Iowa, $15. These are states that are very near to us or bordering us and experience the same type of hunting, fishing, angling pressure. They they all have some sort of habitat stamp out there because you realize that this money is basically an investment in our future and what and what we like to do and that's a lot of states have picked up on that. 
Um, it, you and I have had this conversation about Nebraska and, and this habitat stamp. Uh, there's just an aquatic habitat stamp, I think. Um, and you, you said you, you know, not too far away from you, there's one of these projects, and all of a sudden, you know, there's great things happening. So, you know, talk about that a little bit. And a- absolutely, I little background. I come from uh, just west of the Omaha area, where there are. Quite a few people, the majority of our population is, but the issue is there's not near as many water bodies as when you look out west on like McConaughey and Ogallala and all those areas. And so that's why those those local impoundments and dams I've seen just greatly, greatly improved. I had one that was about 20, 30 minutes from me that was just an incredible largemouth bass fishery. And how it was set up was it was set up for shore angling. So they, they trenched around the edges of the within casting range of the shore. They put rocky shoreline in, and then they put a shallow, more island type in the middle. And it was, I'd go out there as a high school kid, 16, 17 years old, and I would just catch, catch bass left and right from the shoreline. And when you look around and you look at their map of the projects they have, I, I can say probably at least a dozen I've fished or directly looked into fishing or know have many friends and family that fish and have really, really benefited from the projects they've been doing over the past 20, 25 years. Cool. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that probably helped even make you more of an angler than you might have been anyway, so that, that's <laughs> cool. But uh, and, and I think, you know, like I said, I... You know, there's going to be some prioritization of our projects, and, and there's surely going to be some follow-up, and I can imagine you and I going out and tromping around and trying to tell those stories, so and I kind of look forward to it. There's a lot of them that are in my brain that I'd like to see improve, but that's just selfishly because those are the ones I like, right? And, but I think what you say there is this is not a short-term thing. This is not going to be something we see in a year or two. As I said, we talked about 20, 25 years down the road. Right. I actually have my notes in front of me right now. They have a hundred and they have improved the habitat and/or access on 132 water bodies across Nebraska. Bear in mind that took 23 million dollars in 20 to 25 years. We are in this for the long haul. I called this an investment for our future. Right. So in 20, 25 years, I'm sure we're going to have a list that has a lot of those, a lot of right. those areas you're talking about, whole. Right, and I, and I think uh, I was actually uh, sitting having a beer with some federal fish guys yesterday, and we were talking about this stamp, and and they were asking, well, you know, are those dollars eligible to to leverage to some of these federal programs? And I, you know, I said, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. these are these aren't just dollars coming from you and me. These are dollars that are going to be matched and, and used as match to get. You know, whether it's shoreline restoration or whether it's dredging or, you know, whatever. Whenever we can leverage those federal dollars or other program dollars, you know, um, I know that's going to happen. So Exactly. And that go, all goes into the investment part. You, you look back at Nebraska, it's $23 million from from the Habitat stamp, but then they've got $55 million in grants. Right. And you put that together, you're talking $78 million. Right. That is, that is a heck of an investment over the past 20 years, if you ask anybody. Right, so you know, I, and he, the, this this federal fishery fisheries guy goes, well, yeah. So if I donate ten bucks, that's really probably closer to having a twenty-five or thirty-dollar impact. Exactly. And I said, absolutely, because you you know you've got matching or some of these programs. You know, we only have to put up twenty, thirty percent, and then you know some federal government programs is is picking up the rest, and and that's how you make money really uh, work 
So it'll be interesting to see how that goes along. Exactly. I, mean, it, I use the word investment just over and over again, but it, it, it holds true. If I invest $10, I'm investing $10 into literally what could be my new favorite lake in three, five, ten years. Right. That's, that's a heck of an investment to me and one that I'm guaranteed to have one quite the return on. Yeah. Cool. So what did I miss, Nick? What else are you getting asked or things bouncing around in your head that that maybe that we haven't talked about yet. You, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is we're all we're all going to have to make this purchase the first time. It might be surprising to us. Maybe you're coming out here to pheasant hunt here in October. You haven't purchased any of your licenses. You still have to get this. Know that it's coming. It, it's again ten dollars for residents, twenty five dollars for non residents. Budget for it. Be ready for it. And a lot of us that signed up for auto renew. Come that December 15th, 16th, 17th, we're going to have our licenses renewing. We're going to have our cards on file being charged. Just know that this additional fee is automatically going to be put into it. So when I have my, I think I'm doing my combination license, auto-renewing, so I'm going to have my combination license plus my $10 Habitat stamp. So we're going to start seeing that in December, and then you'll see it. If you haven't already applied for a license that you need to purchase it, Especially when you start getting your next year's licenses, right. we're all we're all going to be in, and it's honestly going to make all of our jobs way easier because there won't be so many variables. Right. Well, everybody needs it. It's good. Right. <laughs> and I think you know, in in talking to folks, and they're just you know, well, why didn't you just raise it, raise your license ten dollars? You know, it would it would save us all this heartache. And it, and I kind of keep going back to remember this came from the legislature. And it came from a couple of really, really involved and really, really concerned legislators that said, look, we, we want this money earmarked for this. We want it for improving our waters. We want it for improving habitat. And if we give this to the department, we're the ones that are saying, we're putting our necks out on the line, but you've got these ramifications. You've got these side sideboards, if you will. Now, go and, and, you know, put it into effect. So this came from concerned citizens, just like you and me. They happen to be legislators. Um, yeah, this year it's a little confusing because it's a July 1 thing, and maybe you did have to buy it, or maybe you got past it and didn't have to buy it. But from here on out, basically it's just an, an extra $10 fee that's automatically going to be applied to your license. Absolutely, and and you're certainly going to see those improvements on the ground across the state. Right. And I'm... I wish we had a time machine we could fast forward to 10, 15 years from now and right. see what this is actually going to result in. And it goes back to the other question, too. With, you know, This is not going to be used to purchase private lands or anything like that. This is going to be used for those public land opportunities, exactly how the bill is written, right. which me and Holt have now both read. Yeah, which... <laughs> some heavy reading. You know, it's, yeah, it's a habitat thing. It's an access thing, and, and um, I think it's... It's going to be interesting. You know, the one thing that you did show me from Nebraska is that, you know, the just the folder of, of projects that they had and, and how they make it public to the folks and say, you know, I think the one you pointed out was that, that big impoundment that, I mean, it was a shore fishing dream. You know, every mm -hmm. everything was laid out for that. I think you'll see us do maybe not projects like that, but certainly present that information to folks if you want to know, hey, where's this money going? You know, I'm just throwing ten dollars to you guys, ten more dollars to you guys every year for what? And I, th I think Nebraska, to their credit, did do a really nice job of laying that out. Of you know, here's where this money is going in each section of the state, 
and here's where it's going to, you know, theirs is aquatics, but I'm sure ours will be, you know, kind of divided out mm -hmm. with photos and maps, and, you know, this is what's happening, and, and you'll see, you know, probably see us trying to measure usage in some instances <laughs> and, and improvements, and so I'm kind of looking forward to it because, you know, it's we're starting fresh on, on a, on an old topic, habitat, right? Everybody always talks about habitat, 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 but this is a way to start fresh where this money is, like, where we were at, we were at zero, right? And now it's like, okay, the money's coming in. Guys, girls, where's our projects? What are we doing? Let's start documenting it. And I know you're a numbers guy, and I'm more of a visual guy, so <laughs> I think between the two of us you can kind of quanti quantify it and, and show it. it. I think it's pretty cool, pretty exciting stuff. So. And, and you make a great point, too, with areas as well. This is... Going back to what species are going to benefit, this is not going to be pheasant habitat in Beetle County and Brown County. This is right. going to be wherever you are in South Dakota, wherever you like to recreate, you're going to see these projects in your right. backyard. If you're over, if you're in Rapid City, Sioux Falls, Watertown, Brookings, right. Pier, you're going to see you're going to see these projects in your neck of the woods. Right. This is a whole state effort. Yeah, and it's, you know, a prioritization thing, and, and like I said, there's a lot of dams and a lot of things that everybody has ideas of where this money should go, and prioritization and, and how, how it all shakes out is pretty interesting, too, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, again, you talk about those concerned citizens and every, everything going on. Those lake associations are knocking Nebraska's door right. down. I think as this goes on and people are going to see these success stories, Everybody is going to be begging for their favorite fishery, their favorite GPA to get this. Right. And, you know, for, for $10, $25, that's an investment I'm, I'm sure glad to make. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, Nick, thanks for your time. It's good to see you. I haven't got to see you much other than Zoom meetings and stuff, but uh, starting to get back into the office a little bit more. But it's good to see you, and thanks for your time. Uh, like I said, Nick did a lot of work with gathering up questions and answering these questions, so I figured he was better than anybody that to come in and talk about this a little bit and set it straight. So well, Sounds good. Again, I appreciate you having me. And yeah. Again, if, if those questions keep coming in, we'll, we'll sure be glad to answer them too. So do not be afraid to reach out to any of us. Awesome. Cool. Well, I won't keep you any longer, Nick. Go, uh, go out in the water and, and enjoy the good fishing. You guys out there, you uh, get out and, and camp and fish. Uh, I think... We've all kind of found out that some of this stuff with our fishing license sales and our camping visitor, you know, parks visitor numbers and stuff, people are, are using these resources to kind of stay 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 sane, maybe. But, uh, yeah, and we've had a good summer for it so far. So Yeah, no, it's been awesome. No, no complaints in the slightest. Cool. So, aside from the ramps being full and right. parking <laughs> way, way away, my advice to you is get out early. Right. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks, Nick, and thanks to you all out there. And uh, until next time, be good. Go outside.